Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies and Afric for driving us through the afternoon. It is Thursday, February 15th. I am Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, Bernard Jackman is in studio at the preview of this weekend's URC matches and we'll hear from Irish coach Paul O'Connell as Ireland continue their preparation to welcome Wales to the Aviva next week. Maeve de Burke has her say on the Irish women's national team squad announced today. Raf Jallo previews the opening round of the League of Ireland men's Premier Division. And in Camogie, we'll be speaking to Ursula Jacob ahead of Division 1A National League action. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552, WhatsApp 087-187-9200 or we're on X at GameOn2FM. On 2FM. Good evening, welcome along to Game On. It is great to have your company on this uh, Thursday evening. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of this evening's show, a couple of news headlines and good news for Irish athletes in the pool in Doha. The good news continues. Mona McSharry has secured a place in the final of the 200 metre uh, at the uh, World Aquatics Championships in Doha. The uh, Sligo swimmer finished third in her semi-final in a time of 2.25.13 seconds behind Sydney Pickram from Canada and Alina Zmushka from Belarus uh, who's swimming under the banner of neutral independent athletes. Fifth after, after the first 50 metres, uh, McSharry kept in touch with the leading Joe and gradually worked her way into third place for the final end uh, to finish third. McSharry's time was seventh fastest of the two semi-finals and as a result will swim in one of the outside lanes in the final which takes place uh, tomorrow at 10 to 5 Irish time. Um, also at the World uh, Championships, John Short, teenager John Short finishes uh, 14th in the world. The 17-year-old uh, went in 1 minute 58.47 seconds in his first World Championship semi-final. So John Short, remember the name, the 200 back uh, stroke uh, semi-final there for John Short. Uh, so really good news uh, for Irish swimmers and very best of luck to Mona McSharry uh, in her upcoming final. Elsewhere, uh, the first steps towards a redevelopment of the Casement Park will be taken next week with Ulster GA confirming it will start necessary maintenance and pre-enabling works on the site. The ground, said to have a capacity of just under 35,000 upon completion, is among the venues for the 2028 UEFA European Championships, which will be co-hosted by the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales. Pressure has been mounting to meet the UEFA deadline for the stadium's completion, but in a statement released uh, this afternoon, Ulster GA said activity commencing next week, which will continue throughout March, will be focused on initial groundworks and this will be followed by site clearance from April to June including the removal of the old terracing so good news um, on that front um, elsewhere briefly in hockey Ireland lost their third straight game the Pro League as they were beaten 4-2 by Spain and India it was the first win in the competition for the Spanish side India will be Ireland's opponents tomorrow and finally Cheltenham Festival winning jockey Jamie Moore has announced his retirement from the saddle on medical advice following a fall last year. Murr is the son of trainer Gary and the brother of Josh, Ryan and Haley, all of whom are well-known faces in the racing industry. He rode 968 winners across his career. Game on. Rugby. But first up on uh, the agenda this evening is rugby. Bernard Jackman is alongside me. Bernard, it's a week off from the Six Nations. Now, we will hear from Paul O'Connell shortly, but it is a URC action. Is this a week that, that players are that get released to the provinces will be eager to really catch the eye 
of the the national team coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Like you look at Munster and, and and say Conor Murray, for example. Obviously, was on the bench against France, but then wasn't involved against Italy at the weekend. So he gets and Craig Casey got a start and played very well. So with Craig Casey off duty, Conor gets a chance to start for Munster and uh, and hopefully push his his case forward to play against Wales. And then obviously, I think you know you've guys like uh, Oli Jagger. Um, who was in the international squad and mm. has been released back Jeremy Lockman but more importantly from a Munster point of view or just as importantly they have some positive news about injuries for a while I mean RG Snyman um, is going to make a season debut uh, Mike Haley as well Tom O'Hearn who was in unbelievable form um, before he got that injury in the Champions Cup game against Northampton and, and had to miss out on being in the Irish squad because of it um, is also back and they have been through a wretched time I know they had a difficult uh, period there um, in terms of results but they were treadbare and for Graham Rowntree obviously the the game against uh, uh, the Crusaders in Parky Cueve gave some of his fringe players game time which obviously the Scarlets hadn't haven't had and getting players back is mm. absolutely massive for him Absolutely, I do want to get stuck into the URC but before we do, um, Ireland assistant coach Paul O'Connell has not ruled out Hugo Keenan uh, out of uh, the Wales match uh, next weekend at the Aviva Stadium. Keenan picked up a knee injury uh, during last Sunday's win over Italy and has been rehabbing since. However, he was at today's training session at the High Performance Centre but did not take part in training. More positive news though regarding Gary Ringrose who did take part in uh, training today and is on track for next week. We can hear from Paul O'Connell as speaking about the learnings from the Rugby World Cup lineouts. We haven't changed a massive amount. I'd say we're doing what we do a little bit better, um, you know, across the board. How, how we lift, how we jump, uh, how we call, how we th- throw, and all those things contribute. You know, I think when we, in the World Cup, certainly in that South Africa game, they, they threw something different at us. We got our drill a little bit wrong and uh, and, and it led to a, a poor start to the game. Once we got over that, we were, we were pretty much fine for the rest of the game. New Zealand got three lineouts off us in that game. Two, we got back straight away. One, unfortunately, we, we high tackled from and we ended up in our in our corner. So, you know, they're two very good defensive lineouts, those two teams we played in, in the World Cup. And we learned a lot, you know, we learned a lot from those games in terms of, I suppose, one of them was being able to manage being in a little bit, bit of trouble and, and trying to get out of it. And the other thing we learned from the World Cup is it's like every part of your game. It's never just one thing. Uh, very often there's drill in it. There's the call in it. There's the, the thrower in it. There's the, the selections you've put on the menu first day. Um, and I would say we've kind of improved a little bit in all those regards without working on one particular thing. That's probably been the, the pleasing thing for me is there's just been a there's just been a general improvement across the board in how we've gone about our, our business. It hasn't been it hasn't been one thing, and that's the thing that I would have identified after the World Cup. You know, there was some one thing we could put our finger on that that caused problems. It was a little bit of everything, and uh, sometimes I think when you're preparing for games and you uh, you know you've you've a lot of things to work on. You've the breakdown. You've you've you've, you've attack. You've defence. You've kick off. You've restarts. Sometimes you can lose track of what's really important, and very often the important things are the most simple things. And that's what we've done with lineup. We've we've made sure we looked after the important stuff, and it's it's led to a good start. And hopefully that continues. The tournament has been kind of marked by how much other teams have been kicking the ball. I know conditions dictate that to some degree, but there seems to be a kind of a data-driven approach where teams seem to think that if you kick the ball more, more you're going to win the game. And, you know, South Africa maybe dictated that. Whereas you guys have stuck fairly through, true to the style of play that you, 
you have was that something you contemplated a change in the style or, or how comfortable are you with the way you, you've been playing we're very comfortable with the way we're playing but that doesn't mean we wouldn't kick the ball 40 times a game if we had to I think I think finding space is a big part of our game and if you can do it through handling we're happy to do it through handling and if we can do it, do it through kicking we're very happy to do it through kicking as well so that's the way it works for us I, I wouldn't say we have a strategy where we want not to kick it or where we want to kick it I would say if the opportunities present themselves to do it we would do it and hopefully would do it as many times as any other team we, we definitely wouldn't have that data driven approach to how we play the game I hope that answers the question. I mean, I, I, I actually really enjoy when we end up kicking the ball a lot because it means we're, you know, we're not just playing for the sake of playing. We're, we're, we're seeing space and we're, 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 we're finding it through kicking as well. And uh, I, I enjoy that part of the game as much as I enjoy it when, when we're passing the ball and offloading. Can you just give, give us a window into how tough the selection meeting will be this week, weekend or whenever you have it, given how well you went after making six changes and how well the previous team had gone in France? Yeah, it will be tough uh, for sure. Um, and it's something we've struggled on in previous games when we've made lots of changes. We haven't really hit our straps. We've been sloppy at times, and that's that's not to say we weren't sloppy last weekend at times. We certainly were, but I suppose to keep them to nil, you know, to score 36 points and, and have a few tries disallowed on top of that, you know, it's a good indication of where we are. So selection meeting will be tough, but it'll only be good for us. You know, I think the guys that get picked will be over the moon to get picked, will be eager to stay in there, and the guys that don't get picked will push hard. So it's it's a great place for us to be in. So no hangover from the World Cup. All the ghosts banished Bernard Jackman. And, and it's interesting here, Paul O'Connell, that there wasn't any one thing, I suppose, that they did concentrate on. I know we, we mentioned the, the line-outs there and obviously the influence Paul O'Connell has on that. But they have just simplified the game plan. They're not afraid to change things up as well. It's going to be difficult for selections. And that comes back down to near flawless performances at the start of Six Nations. Yeah, look, it's been so impressive and, and it must have been so frustrating for him, obviously during the World Cup not just to be able to to get it right mm-hmm. um, and I think our stats were we were 14th best or or, or worst but depending on how you look at it line out in the, in the, in the World Cup and, and um, as you said there it's not a huge amount of balls lost but they were important ones and um, you know the way we started it just looks looked to be such confidence in it um, away to France to start off and that was the first one and then to back that up um, against Italy uh, just everything about it is it has been quality so far and if but in fairness the, be- the biggest test so far France didn't pick a good defensive line out Italy um, just weren't at the level Wales's defensive line out actually did a very good job on England um, it, second half against Scotland it got after them uh, the Scotland throw so this is another step forward and, mm. and, and it's like you know the goal kicking you know it's 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 stupid to make a decision on, on uh, Jack Crowley's goal kicking stats on, on, on two games likewise line out it's at the end of the season uh, Paul will hope that we're we're in the top one or two of the competing countries in line out stats and, and Wales would be another step forward but it's going to be a hell of a lot easier um, executing that on the back of two very good outings mm. Wales will be a step up in the level of, of test that we get at line out and you mentioned that it's not about the amount of, of balls at loss but it's it's the important one so is there any fear that the clutch moments or when it counts against Wales that there would be any apprehension there no, for you? no and I, I think what 
one of the things he, he he spoke about all the different factors lift, throw, movement, call I think that there's been an acceptance of we take the ball where it's on rather than I, I think when I look back at that World Cup there was massive pressure on the line caller to win the ball in certain areas of the line out um, to be able to launch the strike play and that put pressure on and effectively they sometimes took a gamble there and it didn't work mm. to have the ball in the right area of the line out so I think that that's probably changed now and I'd say there's a I suppose a, a connection between you know Mike Cat and Paul and being able to adapt to wherever the ball is won so look we can't, we're going to lose a couple of line outs um, but again it's having those um, the ability just to to not let that fester into our game and to be able to make sure we win the, the next important one You mentioned goal kicking as well uh, Paul O'Connell unsurprisingly was asked about life after Johnny Sexton I suppose Johnny's you know there's no point denying it Johnny is a big part of of how we play but he's a big part of how we prepare in the weeks for big games as well he's a big part of he was a big part of how we trained uh, you know he, he he drove a very high standard because of the high standards he had himself so so to 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 not have him there in the week up in the week in the build up to a big game like that um you know to get through those those two weeks quite well to train well to prepare well and then go out and deliver it on the day i think I think one thing that maybe Johnny has given a lot of the guys is 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 he's shown how much you have to care about the team and how much you have to care about how you prepare and he's shown how much you have to care about about uh, how the team feels come Saturday and and he's he, he's been a great example to some of the guys that are going to end up as leaders in the team so uh while he's gone I think a bit of his legacy from how you, he used to go about his business still lives on with us. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, Peter Manny, Caelan Doris, James Ryan, Ian Henderson, Gary Ringrose, a lot of these guys, um, they have a few of his qualities in them that, that helps us get to a good place every t- every Saturday when we, uh, when we play. So Johnny Saxon is obviously no longer a player. How much communication do you feel players have with him? Because I know Caelan mentioned... That in the lead up, he, he he did reach out and he and you know yeah, the words exchanged. I think, uh, I think there's quite a few are calling him, um, and I think is that a bad thing? No, it's a great thing. It's just like having an extra mentor, you know. Um, I think Jack Crowley will. It's interesting. Jack Crowley was when Jack Crowley was playing for Munster and he hadn't made the breakthrough. He was he rang Johnny Sexton for advice, and um, I think I think Johnny's on the record as saying that the. You know the four guys, or uh, certainly the Leinster eight halves, never rang him, and I, and I understand why they wouldn't because they're, they're competing with him, so it's difficult. But I, I admire Crowley had the um, the the bravery or, or the gumption to mm. to ring him um, before he'd made it, uh, and uh, I, I think that there's contact back and forth. And Johnny, look, Johnny is absolutely passionate about about his team. He's he's played a huge role in getting them to where they are. And I think his ultimate legacy is uh, will be part of it. And same for Paul and Connor and, and that generation is if the um the train keeps rolling without them, you know, that they've given them the good habits, they've given them that um that training uh standards that they can keep keep getting better. Um so yeah, look at he's he's not long out of the like he's it's it's short, you know what I mean? It's it's, mm. it's it's since he's finished, but there's no doubt he's still going to be influential behind the scenes and players will tap into him because he's incredibly well respected. Is he there in an unofficial role? No, he's not. No, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. No, but he's just like yeah, he and he wouldn't be that wouldn't be a style either, you yeah. know, but obviously if if someone wants a 
to ask a question or, or get some advice um, he'll make himself uh, available and, and he's always he's always been very good that way as well as, but um, for Jack Crowley look at I think Jack Crowley's had an unbelievable start to his to his tenure as number one uh, 10 for Ireland um, but of course there's it's no harm to have a sounding board you know because mm. uh, so few people understand like I wouldn't understand and I, I was lucky enough to be in the, in the game for a long time I wouldn't understand the pressure um, that goes with being an international 10 um, so if you can talk to someone who's been there for whatever 18 years effectively it's uh, a very small pool it's a very small pool exactly it's a very small pool and you can't go and you know you can't go and ring George Ford you know what I mean yeah, yeah. One, yeah. so uh, um, I think it's I think it's brilliant Yeah, and look at even Paul there Paul obviously has been there done that as a captain for Ireland as well and you know whether it's Pete or whether it's Caelan Doris um, he has uh, invaluable insights um, having, having been in that hot seat I'll be soon the main man in Irish rugby be a former international 10 as well get on the phone to Mr Humphreys but um, you mentioned goal kicking as well Jack Crowley there's a couple of criticisms have come in perhaps yeah, un, un, unfairly yeah I think look at the people who are criticising him are maybe people who tried to to make a name for themselves pre this, this tournament question his ability as far as I'm concerned um, this player is top class and yeah. it, like it's been interesting I was in London on Tuesday uh, doing something and how how the non-Irish pundits and ex-pros who've been watching him are just blown away by him you know so uh, Jack Crowley is an incredibly exciting talent um, he has great character great resilience um, and I, I'd be shocked uh, I'd be shocked if over 10 games his goal kicking wasn't stats weren't up there mm. with anyone else you know it's good to be nearly clutching at straws if that's, yeah, if that's it, the stick you're beating Jack Crowley like, with. So like, for example, if you make a mistake, so I thought France would beat Ireland um, in the first round, but when it didn't, you have to be able to say, well, look, at Ireland were way better. Yeah. Uh, you don't double down on your error, you yeah. know, I would say, you know, but some people want to. Uh, social media, Vernon, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the main place for it. Um, Hugo Keenan as well, that, that being him being still being in contention, is also I do want to get onto the URC, but just finally yeah. just on Hugo Keenan as well because that would have been a massive blow. Like, is he kind of one of the unsung heroes in terms of being a key component yeah. of both the Irish attack and defence? I'd say he's probably nearly the most important player in that backline now. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, like if Ross Byrne be injured, there's pressure on Harry, but at least he got game time last week. We mm. think Frawley can step up. Centres were were laden down with centres. Cavanagh has come in and done a great job, but we know we've Mac Hansen, Jimmy O'Brien yeah. injured. But like, who is the next fullback? That's not clear. Um, is it Shane Daly? Is it is it Karen Frawley? Would would you look at basically Jack Crowley going to fullback and, and Harry Byrne playing ten? And and why would he do that? Well, you know he did against France go six two. So if you do go six two, having a ten who can play fullback is a big help. And and fairness to, to Crowley, he's played fullback for Munster at mm. times, particularly late in games and things like that. So look at it, it's a uh, if he if he's out, it's a big blow for Ireland, but it'll be an opportunity for one of the aforementioned. Okay. Well we will be previewing Ireland Wells uh, in detail uh, next week as we uh continue our build up to the big one uh, in the Aviva Stadium however this weekend um, we briefly touched already on Munster they've named their team tomorrow night uh, there in Wales uh, against Scarlet 7.35pm um, uh, so we mentioned that the players that are back Bernard um, are you expecting a full throttle performance from Munster and a victory? Yeah I am and you look at where Munster are on the table they're 11 to 24 points now in fairness they're 
there's three teams on on 24 points and and an eighth place which is obviously the playoffs is only 25 Um, but they need to get moving now and uh, I think it's ideal opportunity home game against the Scarlets who who are uh, very poor um, I've only had two wins so far this season um, the Welsh regional teams are, are, are pretty desperate bar Ospreys and this is a this is a five pointer this is a must um, have five point win for, for Munster and I think as I said that game against Crusaders was perfect for them it gives them a, a decent even though it wasn't a massive um, high intensity game it gives them a, a game um, in front of a big crowd and then the player the players come back the likes of Haley. Um, the likes of RG Slime and you know Thomas Hearn's been outstanding, um, and then obviously the the lads come back from Irish camp, um, Connor Murray and uh, Jeremy Lockman and Ollie Yager um, mm. is is a big boost. Alex Kendall and captain them uh, as well. So um, Saturday, uh, Lancer, it's the top two, top yeah. two. Not many people would have saw Benetton. Uh, in second place, or 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 would they have in the, in the URC this season? No, look, I think I think they've been brilliant. I think it's uh, um, they're back to where they were a couple of years ago, where they were genuine contenders for a while under Kieran Crowley, and then they fell away a little bit. But I mean, again, they're they played nine, seven wins, one draw, and um, Leinster only have seven wins as as well. But Leinster have been better at picking up um, some some attacking bonus points. But well, they cause problems for Leinster. No. In the RDS, no, they as won't. Well. They no. won't. They won't. Um, Leinster, I think, are um, trucking along very nicely, quietly, um, and obviously the two losses they had maybe are, are starting to dampen the hype. But in Europe, I, I think they've they've shown serious metal, and yeah, the, the Leinster win this. A uh, little later on Saturday, quarter past five, Connacht are in Wales. Uh, they are playing Cardiff. Connacht are one point off uh, the top eight, which is where you want to be aiming to finish in the URC. Similar to Munster, this is kind of where they'll be looking to push on as well, and they're not as, um, I suppose, affected with, with Irish players going, albeit the players that they do have in the Irish camp are very yeah. key. Yeah, no, this is um, this is a big game for them. Obviously, a little bit of a setback this week with Dermot Cannon yeah. uh, signing for Munster, and he's been he's been a real revelation for them. Mac Hansen is obviously injured. You know, the Irish internationals, uh, Finney and, and Bundy won't play, but it's Cardiff. Um, you know, and Connacht's last game in, in in the Champions Cup was a very impressive win against Bristol, um, which sent them into their holidays. I think in a in a good place. And again, this is this is a must-win game for them. Even though it's away, um, uh, it's a 4G pitch. They're very comfortable on that, and yeah, they'll be looking to just build a little bit of consistency, consistency now. And if they are to make top eight, I don't think they can afford to slip up um, this week. Munster will have other chances. Munster obviously have a couple more players to come back in, um, but this is this is it for Connacht, in my opinion. Um, I mentioned Connacht are one point off eighth place and in eighth place are Ospreys they host Ulster on the only game on uh, Sunday how do you see this one playing yeah, this, is a, this is a tough one Ospreys have obviously been the best um, uh, Welsh region and Ulster Ulster there's all kinds of rumours about discontent and um, bad vibe up there how much uh, would you read into those I, well, I think it's 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 been so con- it's been murmuring away for the last year and a half but it, it's it's I think it's getting bad now because um, you know they've they've told six players that they're not being kept and, and there's potentially more on the on the chopping block block um, and that can disrupt the side like the, traditionally a, 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 a top Irish province wouldn't have high profile players being let go mm-hmm. you know at the end of the season um, without making an effort to keep them and yeah there's just a there's just a funny vibe I haven't said that you know Dan McFarland and the coaching staff would say look we're fifth in the table 
you know, we beat Leinster away. Um, you know, we're we're going okay, but there hasn't been a huge amount um, to get excited about if you're an Ulster fan, and this is a potential banana skin for them. Um, and yeah, I think they might struggle to to beat the Ospreys. Okay, final question for you. You mentioned uh, Dermot Kilgallen there, obviously going from uh, Connacht to Munster. Um, two questions: How big of a, a, a transfer is this for Munster? How big of a blow is it for for Connacht? And because I, I did see, I think someone replied to one of your tweets uh, saying, "How can you explain this yeah. Irish transfer system?" Because if you're a Connacht fan, you must be good to see him going. And Munster is like, "Happy days." <laughs> yeah, look at it. There's, there's, so uh, <laughs> we could be eight to seven if you were to no, explain no, it all the detail. No, 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 no. But like. At the start of professionalism, I saw my first contract for Connacht, and you actually weren't allowed to sign for another province, right? So effectively, and, I, and that was bizarre. Obviously, it was the early yeah. days. So I actually went to Sale to come, so I could come back to Leinster. And then when I came back to, from Sale, Eddie O'Sullivan sent me back to Connacht, so I ended up back there again, <laughs> and, and and that was great. I had a couple of really good years there, and and then to go back to my home province, which is Leinster. But now it's it's a free market as such, right? yeah. particularly for the non central contracted players um, so for example the RFU wouldn't have got involved in this so RFU got a bit of slack for getting involved in the Joey Carberry even though they denied it the Joey Carberry move uh, this would just literally be Munster going to meet Dermot McGann who's off contract in June mm. and selling Munster to him and the opportunity for to pay for Munster theoretically neither province are allowed outbid each other so there's a you know it, 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 there shouldn't be a bidding war between the provinces as such because obviously there's, only, there's a central paymaster so it would be more around a rugby decision um, but he's free game I mean Ulster, Leinster uh, Connacht and Munster are entitled to offer somebody who's off contract a contract and that's actually what's played out and he's made the decision that he feels for the next period of his career Munster's the better option I think from Munster point of view it frees up Sean O'Brien, who's playing winger on on on, uh, on Friday night, to move to centre, which is his his uh, favourite position. Yeah. We don't know what's happening with 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 uh, Zebo. Um, obviously, Cavan uh, Nash has come true. Shane Daly's still there. Mike Haley, but they are a little bit treadbare in outside backs. And I think uh, Kilgallen is a big coup for them. I mean, Connacht will be will be very very disappointed to to lose him. Okay, that is uh, very fascinating, actually, a good insight. Bernie Jackman, gentlemen, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come in to chat. Uh, from rugby football to association football, we're chatting soccer next. Stick with us here in Game On 2FM. Yeah, you're very welcome back to Game On as we chat football. Before we look at tomorrow's League of Ireland fixtures with Raf Diallo, and a little later we will be chatting Irish women's national team with Maeve de Burke. Um, Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson is in a stable condition and having tests in hospital after being taken ill during training uh this afternoon or this morning even uh, the Premier League club have confirmed that the 76 year old was due to speak at a scheduled press conference at half one to preview Monday's Premier League game against Everton but members of the media uh, waiting outside the uh, club's training ground were informed the briefing would not uh, take place according to reports Palace are set to sack Hodgson uh, with ex-Eintracht Frankfurt boss uh, Olivier Glasner a strong favourite uh, to take the job but good news that um, Hodgson is in a stable uh, condition at the moment um, elsewhere it is reported France striker Kylian Mbappe has told Paris Saint-Germain he intends to leave the club at the end of the season the 25 year olds deal with the Ligue 1 champions runs out in the summer and he has been heavily linked with a move uh, to Real Madrid so not very surprising that Kylian Mbappe uh, is set to depart PSG as they step away from the Galacticos which has already seen Messi and Neymar Messi and Neymar I should say uh, leave however Raf Diallo of RTE Sport 
is with us now to look ahead uh, at tomorrow's League of Ireland men's Premier Division of Fixtures. We did preview uh, the League of Ireland RAF yesterday with Anthony Pine and, and Paul Corey. More in broad strokes, so let's just kind of get stuck into the matches uh, themselves. And starting with Shamrock Rovers and Dock, of course, live on RT2 television. There was a general consensus yesterday that Shamrock Rovers are just going to run away with the league. Dundalk are already hot and bothered. They're going to be relegation candidates. However, I don't know about you, but I feel this match is not going to be one-sided. There's going to be a bit of bite to it. Yeah, there will be. The only thing, when you look at Dundalk, they've had 11 changes to their squad in terms of uh, new faces coming in. And a lot of them have been quite kind of late in as well, uh, particularly the goalkeeper, George Shelby, which has come mm. kind of uh, late in the in the window. Uh, but uh, speaking to Graham Gartland on the soccer podcast uh, on Monday, he was pointing to Jamie Gullen, so the striker they brought in from Scotland, and okay. came through the Hibs Academy as one to watch and it's one that he felt you know it, that he's got a he's got a bit of potential maybe if he hits the ground running to, to give Dundalk a bit of an edge um, especially with the amount of experience that's gone out Patrick Hoban of course which I think mm. was expected from the end of last season that he would move on and uh, Daniel Kelly also a bit of creativity has gone out of the squad too Greg Sloggett another key member of their squad has also left but yeah as you said you know Shamrock Rovers they started the way they played in the President's Cup uh, final last week was a bit ominous. Mm. Um, you know, I was a bit surprised because I remember them losing to Derry City uh, this time last year and then making a very slow start to the season. Yeah. That might be what other teams would be counting on. But the thing is, they have a very settled squad and some of the only changes they've made, you know, Dara Burns, we saw him in the in that President's yeah. Cup as well, where, you know, he, he played quite well, but... Maybe the you know the the final ball wasn't uh, all there. Josh Honan looked like he slotted in very well, but they do have a few injuries. Jack Byrne is getting close to a return. He's got a calf injury, but he's not going to play tomorrow. Pico Lopez, of course, has been halfway around the world. He's deservedly uh, getting some time off. Yeah, and yeah. Stephen Bradley's confirmed he's going to take a couple of weeks off. And then Aaron McAneff, who's the other major arrival, he's not playing tomorrow. Johnny Kenny also, um, who is who was on loan last season, but is on loan again. He's returning on Monday, so he's not mm. going to be available I would still lean Shamrock Rovers here because they're at home in Tala and also as we'll talk about with a lot of other clubs where there's been a lot of change how many weeks does it take to hit the ground running and to get that cohesiveness and that might be the thing that uh, might hurt Dundalk but um, of course they've a midfielder like Scott High who's come in from Huddersfield who has a bit of experience playing in the championship that might help them as well I feel I'm basing the my comment of this is going to be close on nothing but hope. Then, then we need it, I think, for the yeah, league. Yeah. yeah, even though last season Shamrock Rovers <laughs> did make it a little bit easy for easier for the. Uh, they still won it at a canter. Still won at a canter, and it was yeah. more a case of the uh, rival clubs not really um, stepping up and taking advantage. I mean. I think they finished with 72 points last season, which was, compared to the two previous ones, about seven or eight points below um, where they have tended to be, and yet nobody could take advantage. So, look, here's hope for the neutrals. We're saying, of course, uh, no problem with the uh, actual Shamrock Rovers fans there. Absolutely, yeah. No, they certainly are heavy favourites, and rightly so. Um, speaking of teams that might challenge Shamrock Rovers, uh, Derry City are at home to Drata United, and St. Pat's are on the road to Galway uh, United as well. Let us start with uh, Pat's. It'll be a difficult place to go. We were talking about kind of um, on the show yesterday, I think you mentioned it on the podcast as well. It could have been um, Graham Gartland as well that kind of mentioned it. That, you know, Galway, it's said to be a sellout as well. There's no team with respect to a UCD that you're kind of looking at that will go, um, that will get relegated. Galway, newly promoted, but they're going to put it up to Pats and Pats will want to, to press on as well. Good cup win last year, but they want to prove to themselves they can go in the league. Yeah, Galway haven't made too many changes to the squad that came up last season. Now, Gary Buckley would be sort of the major one who um, 
uh, John Caulfield has worked with before mm. Cork City but the rest of the squad you know won the first division at a canter and uh, you know we saw them in the, the cup run last season when they got to the semi-final and if I recall correctly they hosted uh, Bowes in that yeah. game and you know the great atmosphere there if they can keep that throughout uh, throughout the season so it's a tough place to go they're going to be quite uncompromising which is I think the John Caulfield way and of course he has Ollie Horgan beside him yeah old school <laughs> and direct and Pats as we saw last week in the Presence Cup final were a little bit flat but they have a lot of new faces in the squad now they did a lot of their business early the likes of Rory Keaton who mm. I'm looking forward to seeing how he, he gets on this season and then the two Cavanaghs from Derry City as well uh, the one issue that was pointed out on the soccer podcast and to give it another uh, plug this that's week that's alright yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, Keith Tracy and Graham Gartland were talking about the right backs a lot and that seems to be quite open because they played um, Aaron Bolger out of position in that uh, and they maybe maybe they will look to strengthen that area but you know, with Sam Curtis gone, yeah. that's an area they will certainly want to, to improve on and also to give a bit of protection for Jake Mulraney um, on the right flank. Okay, well that will be... Um, I think it will be close. I think all, I don't think there's going to be a runaway um, match really or a match that's going to be too one-sided uh, this weekend. Derry and uh, Andrade, like, listen, so much has been made about Derry's home pitch and everything else. I know they're kind of getting the, the stand done up so that the, the ground will be a bit more aesthetically uh, pleasing but the pitch is still going to be the pitch. And, and yeah, I, and that has cost cause... them a little bit in, in the last few seasons, yeah, yeah. because... On paper, Rory Higgins is a really good head coach. He's got a squad that are very comfortable on the ball, but it doesn't always translate at home. Sometimes their best results have been away on the road. Now, in these kind of tight games, Andrada, as we've seen under Kevin Doherty the last couple of seasons, they're, they punch well above their weight, and that seems to be their calling card. And there's uh, there's always the risk from a dairy point of view that Drada go there and make it really difficult, and you know they can maybe nick a win or mm. get a scoreless draw. But they signed Patrick Hoban in Derry City, and that's somebody Rory Higgins has been looking to to get in. And you know these are the type of games he's been brought in for these tight potentially tight games awkward ones where you need a fox in the box and uh, Hoban has shown it at Dundalk over the years he's the record goal scorer yeah. there and of course Daniel Kelly has also arrived too so there's a bit of creativity on top of what is already quite a settled squad from previous seasons and the only thing for them they'll want to make a really good start they you know when you look at the stagnation if you want to call it that last season they finished a point uh, with a point fewer than the, the previous season uh, the 2022 campaign where they had started in blistering fashion and then tailed off. Shamrock Rovers won it, but last season they never really got going and uh, didn't see. At least if you're looking at it as a points differential from season to season, they never really made a step up. So these are the type of games that they will need to, you know, rack up three points if they have any chance of uh, toppling Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, Derry City fans hoping that Hooban is the final piece in that uh, jigsaw as well, and Dickie Kelly that you, you mentioned as well. Uh, Shelburne on, on the road, uh, they are heading down to Waterford, of course, uh, that semi-final a couple of years ago, still. Fresh and Shelburne fans' memories uh, getting a, a win there. Shells have brought in a couple of players. I saw a quote from Damien Duff saying it's it's the strongest squad Shells have had in the last 15 plus years, which I'm putting myself in a spot. You're probably right. I'm not sure. I think some, like, yeah, the, like, there has been a lot of first division days yeah, that have nowhere, yeah. nowhere near well, matched. Mid, mid 2000s probably was the high po- up to that. Yeah. was the high point. And then, of course, yeah, it's been a bit um, more difficult. Like the Bloss Jack Moylan. Um, yeah, they brought in a bit of experience in, in John Martin, John O'Sullivan, Keith Ward as well, Sean Gannon as well, was solidified and already really strong kind of um, defence. So you're talking about cohesion. They, they brought in a couple of players and even with losing um, the couple of guys, uh, Hardy Wood as well, they 
they still have that togetherness. Maddie Smith is back from injury. Sean Boyd is back from injury as well. So it seems to be positive for Shells, Raph. It definitely does. And yeah, as he's mentioned, uh, you know, Jack Boylan's goals are going to be hard to, to replace. And especially when they're going to go away to somewhere like Waterford, where um, the issue they had last season wasn't defensively. They were joint second best defence mm. uh, in the campaign and it was it was coming down to goals really even though even with Moylan in the squad there was an over-reliance on Moylan yeah an over-reliance they scored 44 goals and I think he scored something like 16 mm. um, 16 of those and 44 only the uh, the two relegated clubs Andrade scored less than that but Sean Boyd there's going to be a little bit of emphasis on him there's Dean Williams that they've brought in as well and then a bit of creativity with uh, Liam Burt arriving in and Will Jarvis um, as well so that's what they'll be obviously hoping to um, you know, crack um, mm. opposition defences and they're coming up against a Waterford team that maybe were a little bit inconsistent in the first division last season but they've got a great manager in, in Keith Long and when you look at the experience they brought in to bolster what they have he's worked with Casper uh, Radkowski before at Bowes and then the likes of Dara Leahy Robbie McCourt uh, Padraig Amund who's had a great career in England and mm. would be an FA Cup cult hero as well on top of it and then Grant Horton um, in there so you know they could be awkward opposition especially for Shells uh, on the road but you know Obviously, you're coming at it from the uh, maybe less neutral point. I'm coming at it from an impartial journalist point, Raph. But there is a launch pad there from last season, isn't there? I mean, with the fourth place finish. Yeah. And they'll probably want to make a good start because when Europe comes in, how does the qua- uh, the squad sort yeah. of deal with that as well? Yeah. No, absolutely. Now, the, the one thing I would say, and I think Duff touched on it in, in, in a couple of his comments, is this is probably the first season, and I don't know how long that Shells do have a bit of a bench, that they can. Akeet Ward, I don't expect him starting every match to come on and change a match in your, your 65, 75 minute as well but no it's a very valid point um, and they need to keep people fit because Matty Smith Sean Boyd um, have struggled with injuries uh, in the past but listen never write off a Keat Long side as well they're going to be driven and, and looking to consol- consolidate in the Premier Division um, finally Bohemians host uh, Sligo Rovers good news for Sligo Rovers Max Mata returns but he won't be playing tomorrow that's the only thing yes he's I- international a, clearance yeah, so work permit and everything okay. so he, he could be available for next week but he won't be playing uh, for the moment but that's a great player to have because I Only for half a season, though. Half that's, that's yeah. what's when, the, like... when the preseason in England and when he's back at Shrewsbury yeah. Town, he will be going back there. Now, unless something happens in the meantime that they're able to make a deal to to keep him. But uh, it's good for the club because I think there's been a bit of worry about Sligo again on the soccer podcast during the, you know, on Monday. That's mm. one thing we touched on and just how difficult a season it could be based on what happened last season. You know, at times Sligo would play quite well, but the results weren't coming. Goals were an issue, especially after Max Mata left. And uh, that's something they'll want to improve. And this match is sort of a story of strikers not being there because Jonathan Afalabi, of course, was such a big part of what both uh, did last season albeit he made a very slow start to last season but once he got up and running you know he was scoring goals left right and centre but he's obviously gone off to Belgium and it's interesting how Bowes are trying to you know fill this gap they've gone in with some Estonian internationals one of them being a striker Stan Reincourt who is uh, you know he is capped at international level but it's it's going to be hard to see you know when when players come in from abroad like just like in any league yeah. you need to adapt off the field on the pitch as well and obviously he's got a couple of uh, uh, former Flora talent teammates around him as well so maybe that will ease the uh, you know the transition for him but you know Bowes have also signed Dale Rooney who was really good for Drada last season and then at the back uh, Rob Cornwall which was an area I think in the cup final where from set pieces and yeah. things it was a bit of an issue but he's come back from America and. Bowles will be adamant that they'll try and make a good start here against the Sligo Rovers team who maybe have a little bit of worry but also are without uh, the sort of star striker that they've just brought in. Yeah, 
Um, pressure on Declan Devine if balls don't get off to a strong start. Uh, be interesting to see how it does play out um, for everyone. 7.45 kickoffs tomorrow. The League of Ireland is back. I cannot wait. If you do want to hear more football chat, do uh, the RT Soccer podcast. Raf Jala with Keith Tracy, Graham Garton. Get it in all your usual podcast places, Everywhere, Raph. and you can even watch us on YouTube where you get a little bit of a vision of my uh, of my living room as well. Oh, if that, if any, if An added bonus. Use. An added bonus, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that is not the only football news uh, today. Republic of Ireland manager Eileen Gleeson has finalised her squad for the upcoming friendlies against Italy and Wales. The first game sees the girls in green take on Italy and Florence on Friday, uh, February 23rd, before returning to Dublin to host Wales at Tallis Stadium the following Tuesday. The two games will serve as part of a preparation for the upcoming Euro 2025 qualifiers, which kick off in April following the draw on March 5th. The squad selection uh, includes defenders Nifahi Yanifa Mannion, midfielder Jess Sue, and forward Leanne Kernan, who all return following long term injuries. There is a first call up for Wake Forest University forward Emily Murphy, who qualifies through her Dublin born father and who had previously trained with the squad in April 2021. Now, I'm delighted to say former Ireland international Maeve the Burke joins us now to uh, go through the squad. Um, Maeve, I suppose uh, the, the players returning are, are the big talking point and, and the big positive for Ireland here. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I think there's seven changes from the squad, the last squad that would have been um, against Northern Ireland in December. So like you mentioned, the four girls back in after long-term injuries like Jessu, she's been out for, I think she did her ACL 16 months ago. So it's great to see her back um, in particular. And obviously Nifahi then and, and Eva Mannion as well um, at the back will bring um, really good experience. And um, Megan Campbell returns as well. And then there's um, a return for Amber Barrett too. She she seemed to be have been just out of favour in the last few squads. So um, she's back in action as well. But um, like you mentioned there, um, Emily Murphy, it'll be interesting to see um, how she gets on. She's played underage for, for England and she's from Windsor in England and like I said her dad is, is from Dublin so she's um kind of she has a reputation as a goal scorer so that's something that obviously all teams are are always looking to to add to so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how she gets on and good um the fact that she has been in around the squad as I mentioned trained in April 2021 so she's not unfamiliar with the faces that she'll be she'll be meeting up with no, exactly. And she played um she played for a couple of clubs in, in England, um, but Birmingham included as well. So she would have played with the likes of, you know, Harriet Scott and um Rusha, who's obviously in the squad as well. Mm. So um yeah, she'd definitely be kind of um a familiar face. It's it's good that she's been in before. I suppose she might make her, her transition to the squad a bit more uh, a bit easier, I suppose. How much pressure is on Amber Barrett to to impress considering she she has been absent from a couple of squads? Yeah, I think um, I suppose her club form has been very good. She's moved to Belgium, um, you know, in recent times, and she's been scoring a lot of goals there. So I'd say she'll she'll come in, um, you know, with confidence after that. Um, it's tough going in, in an international, you know, I suppose um, squad where where we're not known to score a lot of goals. You know, I know obviously the the Nations League was different um, in that regard, but um, as a forward, like if you don't score. In a few in a few games, you know, you might just become out of come out of favour. But um, no, I think Amber definitely is deserving of her place, and I think she'll she'll go in there with she'll obviously have a, a very big point to prove. Um, but I think you know she has the quality to prove that point. Um, so there's another like thing to note about the squad as well. I think it's the first time ever that um an extended squad hasn't um, included a home base player. So that's a really kind of a turnaround for the books. There's always been been one or two in, like um, Savannah McCarthy was in at the early stage of the Nations League last year, and then 
the young kind of young ones from Pima, the likes of Aaron McLaughlin and and that were in in the latter stages of the Nations League. So yeah, to my knowledge, anyway, it's the first time um, an extended squad has been mm. named, and there's not one player um, that's playing their club football in Ireland. So um, I suppose that's uh, there's a few ways of looking at it. I suppose it's me- it means a lot of a lot of girls now are are going professional sooner, and they're they're playing across the water predominantly. But I suppose it's tough then for the girls at home who are trying to stay at home longer and they, they might be, you know, it might be a little bit demotivating, I suppose, to see that as well from their point of view. Would it be a case of, because League of Ireland is out of season at the moment, that selection could have been based on that and, and that we we might not get overly concerned that, that there hasn't been an emphasis on the on the home base players because we know Eileen Gleeson's connection with the league? Yeah, that is, I suppose that is definitely um, a factor to consider because, um, you know, with, with it now the season, it's hard to pick players on form, really. And um, she's definitely done that in terms of, like like I already mentioned, Amber Barrett mm. picked on form. And, um, you know, the likes of Megan Campbell now, who's changed to London City Lionesses to get more game time. You know, she, she's been um, been on the pitch recently as well. And, um, you know, the likes of Leanne coming back for, and, and Neve obviously, as well for Liverpool. So, yeah, that that could be a, a factor um, in in her decision making as well, and um, I suppose it's a, it's a friendlies as well. So she's she's going to want to look at other other players. Is um, but yeah, it'll be be interesting to see then when when the qualifiers come around whether um, whether changes will take place again. Then you're no stranger to making tough decisions with the with the underdogs and on TG Carr and the the recent past. Maybe so were there any surprising omissions? Is there anyone that you would have included? Um, I suppose the likes of you know Haley Nolan there has been. I think she recently got Player of the Month for Crystal Palace. She she's been doing well with her club and um, just hasn't really. I don't know whether it's it's for lack of, of of getting just not getting a chance or you know she just hasn't been been on the pitch much when she's she's been in a lot of squads recently. Um, so she misses out and then I think they they named um three of them were injured. I think Chloe Mustafi and um then Sinead Farley and Tara O'Hanlon are are completing returning to play protocols as they're calling it now. So um yeah, I suppose those couple of girls are unlucky to miss out, but um and Saoirse Noonan as well is, is missing out on this occasion. But yeah, the three girls from P Man, I suppose Erin McLaughlin, Freya Healy and Ellen Dolan, they they're they're young. They're the three who really miss out um in terms of of, of um you know losing their place to the more um experienced forwards. But I think their time will come as well, you know, if they keep, um, obviously they had a fantastic season last year in the women's premier division with P-Mount winning the league. So I think if they just keep um, their heads down and keep working hard as well, I, I would imagine that we'll see them back in the squad sooner rather than later as well. Great stuff, Maeve de Burke. Thank you very much uh, for your time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you very much for your time, I should say, Maeve de Burke. Um, Katie McCabe also included uh, Arsenal's Katie McCabe. And good news, Arsenal's Women's Super League game at Manchester United this weekend is set to break the league's attendance record after the club announced on uh, this afternoon uh, that the clash at the Emirates Stadium is a sellout. More than 60,000 tickets and all hospitality packages have been sold for Saturday's game and Arsenal should break their own record of 59,042, uh, which they set in December against Chelsea. Uh, those are matches incidentally live on RTE uh, television news now channel for the Italy match and RT2 for the Wales match we are taking a short break then we are chatting Camogie with Ursula Jacob now Wexford legend Ursula Jacob joins us now to chat Camogie ahead of Division uh, 1A of the uh, National League throwing in this weekend Ursula 
Uh, the fixture C, Tipperary hosting Waterford at the Rag, 2pm on Saturday. Kilkenny host uh, Cork in uh, the county ground, Nolan Park, 2pm as well. And also at 2pm in Ennis, Cusick Park, Galway are on the road uh, to face Clare. So that is the makeup of the top division in the National League. What are you most looking forward to seeing, Ursula? Because it's probably hard to judge teams on uh, no form to go off just yet. Yeah, that's it. You know, I suppose I, I, I expect we're going to have three cracking games on on Saturday. Um, for me, the league is actually very, very competitive. So that's why I think these games are going to be quite good, even this early on in the season. I suppose the big thing for me, there's lots of personnel changes in the management team. So if you look at Cork, uh, Kilkenny and Waterford, you know, the three of them have three new managers in. And that's going to be really interesting to see. Are we going to see a different style to the girls game? You know, Corker, the reigning All Ireland champions, and you know they have a new manager in this year, Ger Manley. You know, what's he going to bring to it? Is he going to change things around or stick with what has worked last year? Kilkenny, who've been there thereabouts the last kind of ten years, in in Camogie, you know, a new manager as well, and they've also lost probably their main threat up front and, and leader on the team in Denise Gall so I expect you know Kilkenny are going to be trying out a few things in the league and, and that's what that's what you expect from these teams uh, at this time of the year trying out new players but also for the new management team maybe they want to lay down a marker as well to say look we mean business so it'll be interesting to see kind of over the next couple of weeks what, what each you know what kind of level they're at at this stage of the year um, I do want to ask you about Waterford in particular because all Ireland final last year um, they dominated uh, the, the league last year and now they're up to the to the top table. How how will they compete with with the I suppose traditionally bigger bigger teams? Yeah, well, look, I suppose they have an excellent manager in Jerry Wallace, um, who's obviously had huge success with Cork minor camogie teams in the last couple of years. So he's now come on board and. To me, Watford, and I would have said this last year, I think they're one of the most exciting teams in Camogie at, at the moment. Obviously, the All-Ireland final didn't go to plan, um, but I suppose one of the goals last year was to get back playing at the top tier in the league, and they did They did do that. They won the Division 1B league final last year. So they were unbeaten in the league. They want to be up at the top with the likes of the Tips and the Kilkennys and the Corks and the Clares and Galways, because they know that the better games they get, you know, it'll improve them as a team. So I I think they'll embrace the challenge. They won't fear uh, playing any of these teams. They'll be looking to build on last year, um, you know, success. Even though they they finished the final in, in disappointing fashion, um, overall, you know, they had a, a pretty good year. Listen, we've ran out of road. Ursa Jacob, thank you so much uh, for taking the call. It's going to be a fascinating opening round in the top division of the Camogie National Leagues. Uh, we will be reviewing and previewing round two uh, next week. But for now, Ursa Jacob, thank you very much. That is all we have time for here on Game On. Massive thank you to Ronan Lawler and Lorley Davis, who looked after this evening's show. Massive thanks to all our guests. And massive thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to us here at Game On. Better the Silva is up next, so don't go away from 2FM. But from all of the Game On team, it is. Bye for now.